Texas 512 is part of the Texas Podcast Network, the conversations changing the world. Brought to you by the University of Texas at Austin. The opinions expressed in this podcast represent the views of the host and not the University of Texas at Austin. This is Sam Torres, Texas Longhorn fan, native Austinite, admissions counselor, and your host with the most. And this is Texas 512. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Texas 512. This is the first episode of February, but there's a chance you're probably listening to this in March or April, but we're obviously recording this in February with timing in mind. So as many of you probably already know, our decisions have recently come out and a lot of you probably already know because you're one of those people that received decision. You'll be coming to UT Austin. So first of all, congratulations. If I haven't already congratulated you in one of the previous episodes, you should be very excited about this amazing new journey that you will be embarking on. And I know that you have plenty of choices to choose from, but we really do hope that you choose us and you join us at the 40 acres in the fall. Now, if you're listening to this at another time, then let's just either use that as a manifestation or I don't know, right? But today's episode, we really wanted to kind of put an emphasis on some of the next steps that our students have to take. And I think that one of the big, super important things that usually has to take place is orientation. Now, this is not something that is unique to UT Austin, most schools have an orientation. However, I'm sure our orientation experience is per se unique to that of other orientations at other universities. And so today I have two guests, not just one, I have two guests so that you can hear from two different perspectives, right? I'm not going to go ahead and and ramble on and and talk about who they are. I'm going to go ahead and allow them to introduce themselves. So Kyle, why don't you go ahead and get us started first? Yeah, of course. Thanks, Sam. Hi, everyone. Excited to have the opportunity to share a little bit about orientation with you all. My name is Kyle St. Nicholas. I'm the Associate Director for New Student Services, a Longhorn alum, and really excited to have a chance again to share with you all today. Awesome. And then Jordan. Thanks, Sam. Yo, what's up, everybody? My name is Jordan Mitchell. I am an orientation advisor here at UT. I'm also a communication and leadership major. So shout out to all of the Moody students coming in or listening right now. At UT, I also do a couple of things. I'm a sports reporter for the Daily Texan. Shout out to volleyball and baseball. And I'm also a peer mentor. See, this is why I love having students on is because they tell me about all the amazing things that they do at UT Austin. And I've like, it's very rare for me to meet a student that only does one thing. So <laughs> Jordan, I, I really like big kudos to you because I, I don't know if I'd be able to balance that whenever I was in college, but you know, I'm really happy to have kind of experience of having both of you on here because first we'll get the side like you know the staff side of things but but students really are very receptive to hearing from current students as well especially from an orientation advisor so we're i'm really excited to kind of hear from both of y'all's perspectives in this episode but y'all already know if you have listened to this show before you already know what comes next we're going to go ahead and get to know our guests a little bit more by breaking the ice but first off we're going to go to a quick break and whenever we get back let's break the ice All right, and we are back. So I'm like overlooking some of these questions that, and, and I always review the, the scripts before we like do it. Dang, we are getting philosophical today. Shout out to, to my producer, Jessica, for writing these questions because it's going to make y'all think for sure. <laughs> so Jordan, I actually have a question for you first. And I, I think I know why Jess is, is having me ask you specifically, but uh, let's say the internet suddenly ceased to exist. What do you think we as a society would do? And what would you do? I would 
break down if the internet ceased to exist. <laughs> Ever since middle school, I actually went to a high school where we were one-to-one. So I always have done all of my schoolwork on my computer. Everything about me is on my computer. And I'm also a big sports fan. So I don't know what I would do without all of the sports journalism drama on Twitter all the time. I would just be so bored and so <laughs> sad. And it's really concerning to think about how dependent I am on the internet, but I am. I probably spend like 10 to 12 hours a day online in some capacity, whether it is writing stories or taking notes for classes or joining Zoom calls or scrolling through Twitter. Right. <laughs> You're not the only one. I will say that definitely. And I, again, I know why Jess wanted me to ask this question to you specifically, because I feel like your generation was probably the generation where you've basically had internet all throughout and correct me if i'm wrong but you've basically had it since you were since as early as you can remember right oh yeah absolutely like i remember growing up going to like disney.com and playing games at like four years old see you know what's funny is that i'm still kind of like i'm in that weird in between where i'm very reliant on the internet because as, as whenever i was young i did get it as like a, a small child like during my time the internet was still kind of like a luxury to have so like it wasn't like a necessity per se like my house didn't have it. as much as i begged my parents to get internet they were like nah we just can't afford it we have cable and i'm like well then take off some of your channels like let's get the internet and so I had I had a a Windows 96 computer that did not have internet on it and I would all I would do was just get on Microsoft Paint. That's all I would be able to do. And, and I just think back to that time, you know, like the fact that I used to have to do school, you know, a computer and stuff like that. It wasn't until I was in middle school where they were like, we're going to give everybody a laptop and then, you know, finally had like a, my own computer to use. And it, it's just crazy to think about like how just a few years makes a, a big difference. But uh, to be honest, though, Jordan, I'd probably be in the same boat. I would I would not be able to survive without the internet because I rely on it too much for work, for, for streaming and for video games. It's just, I wouldn't be able to function. So I get it. Now, Kyle, this next question is for you. So people say that life is short. Why do you think we do so many things we don't like and like so many things we don't do? Dang, coming in with some heavy hitters here <laughs> early on, Sam, that's a tough question. It's making me think too, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, when I think about like doing things that I don't like and, and what the reason behind them is, I always think about like getting outside my comfort zone and that being such a big part of like growth. And so when I think about like, oh, why am I like, you know, going for a run or something I, it is an example I can think of or, or working out and just like that helps me and that gets me outside of my comfort zone. And the more I do those things, the more that expands. And so the more that list of things that I think I do like and enjoy participating in tends to grow and helps me out. So I think that's a big part of going through life. If I can, you know, get a little philosophical with you on that journey. It, it has me thinking too, like, I'm kind of like the gears are turning right now, but I haven't quite come to like the conclusion here. And I think you have a better grasp on it than I do for sure. Cause I, I still question that so much. Like, I'm like, why, why do I have to pay bills? I mean, I could just move back in with my parents. <laughs> 
independence. No, no, I won't. I'm, I'm kidding. I do like my independence, but this is too much for me in the morning. But I think you have a better grasp of it for sure. Now, this is a question for both of you. Let's let's move away from from the philosophy for a second. Let's let's get a little bit more lighthearted. I'm sure both of y'all probably y'all both seem like you would enjoy karaoke every once in a while. Even though I I can't sing, I do enjoy doing it every once in a while. You're at karaoke night. What is your go-to song and why? Jordan, I'll jump in and save us first because it's funny you asked this, Sam. Actually, in one of our staff meetings for new student services, we just asked this question. We try to open up with icebreakers and those as well. So my go-to, uh, a fan favorite from when I was growing up, some boy band music was Backstreet Boys, I Want It That Way. You know, because I feel like with karaoke, you just need to get something that the crowd can get into. You don't want to be singing alone unless you're the, one of those sneaky good karaoke folks who, you know, can just get up there and belt it. And that is not me. So go with something that gets the people going, hopefully. That's a classic. I feel like that that's like a go-to at any karaoke night. And I, if you go to any karaoke night, I guarantee you will hear that song <laughs> at some point. So that's a good one. What about you, Jordan? So this is actually a really interesting question because I have never done karaoke and it is like on my bucket list. I want to go to a karaoke bar like so, so, so bad. I think it has been like a fantasy of mine to seeing a whole new world from like the Aladdin movie at a karaoke bar. <laughs> That's also a good one. I bet you that would get the crowd going too. So I've I've actually done karaoke in both in two capacities. So I've done it where you go up on stage. I don't know what actually brought me to do this because I'm like really shy. I don't know why I did it. I it was it was bad and I I think about it and I just don't. Ugh. So there's that and then there's also the one where you and a group of friends like rent out a room and then you just do karaoke with like your friends. But I think for me like go-to song and if you're a long-time listener of this podcast, you know that I'm like a big fan of country music. So obviously my go-to song is is Neon Moon by by Brooks and Dunn because I think even people that don't like country music will know that song as well. But but it's you make a good point, Kyle, that you do need to pick one that's like a crowd pleaser too, so that everybody else can get into it. Because otherwise, if it's like some obscure song that nobody knows, it's kind of like you're just vibing out on your own, right? But yeah, no. So been a while since I've done this on the podcast, and we usually sometimes do trivia. So I figured that I would go ahead and hit y'all with some trivia, some rapid fire, and then whoever answers first, basically, I'm not going to keep track of points or anything like that. But I just figured it'd be fun just to get the, you know, get the the brain and the gears turning and whatnot. So let's go ahead and start off with with something about what's currently going on. So the Super Bowl is coming up on this Sunday. And you'd be surprised with that people probably don't know who's playing. So I, that's my first question for y'all. Who is playing in this year's Super Bowl? Bengals and the Rams. That is correct. Yes, you answered that very quickly. I probably would not have because I always just forget. <laughs> and those of you who have listened before, I'm not huge into football. And usually the Super Bowl is the only football game that I watch just so that I can feel included. And then I pick people based off of their mascots and their colors. But this year, I, I think I'm going to go for the Rams because I like blue. So go Rams, I guess. Now, my next question, what does this is something that we use on the daily. So you're typing in a website and usually before you type in like the large part of the domain. I don't know how to explain it, but what does the www stand for in a website domain? Is it World Wide Web? That is correct. Yes. Y'all are killing it so far. So yes, World Wide Web for those of you that do not know. So next question, what geometric shape is generally used for stop signs? An octagon? Correct. Yes. You you kind of doubted yourself there. Have a little bit more confidence. Yes, an octagon. I, I don't think I would have thought stop sign. I would have thought like UFC ring. I don't watch UFC either but it's just I have a podcast that I listen to and they talk about UFC all the time so that's why I associate octagons with now now here's another 
another question. Who was the first woman pilot to fly solo across the Atlantic? That has to be Amelia Earhart, right? That is also correct. Yes. Y'all are really killing it on this one, which by the way, I have had trivia on here before and, and people don't do as well. So uh, a subtle shout out to the second episode. Go check that out if you haven't already. So number five, what was the first feature length animated movie ever released? Y'all might not get this one because I wouldn't have known this. Going to kind of go out on a whim here. Is it Snow White? Oh my goodness. Are you looking this up? No way. No, I'm not. You are looking this annoyingly. <laughs> It is Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, so yes. Are you sure? You're not looking these up, are you? I'm not. I'm not. I can't type fast enough. I don't know how to type. I was like, because I can't see y'all's faces, so I can't tell if y'all are looking stuff up. But yes, it is Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I'm going to stump y'all on one of these, I'm sure. Okay, the next one. So currently, the Winter Olympics are going on in Beijing. But where are the 2024 Summer Olympics being held? Jordan, you've been doing it so far, and you're our sports reporter, so I'm counting on you. Oh, no. <laughs> I think you might stump me on a sports question. I have no idea. I'm just gonna... I'm gonna guess St. Louis. That that sounds like a fun place to have a Super... Not a Super Bowl, an Olympics. <laughs> well, that... A good guess in... A good guess, but not, not quite close. I'll give y'all another attempt. Kyle, do you want to try to give it a go? I, I mean, I'm happy to try, but I don't know if I have anything, so I'm going to go with Greece. So you're a bit closer, um, but the answer is actually Paris, France. Just around the corner. I think we can round that up. All right, so next question. Let's stay on that side of the world. I'll give you all that hint. The unicorn is the national animal of which country? Where do you come up with this? <laughs> you, you can ask my producer. <laughs> Kyle, do you have any idea? I'm thinking like something like like Norway or, or Sweden, maybe, you know, upper area, but that's all I got. Those are good guesses. You're getting warmer, but it's not Norway or Sweden. Jordan, you want to give it a shot? I'm really having to pull back like repressed memories from AP European history from high school. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good question. I am trying to remember any country in Europe right now. <laughs> Georgia. What about Georgia? So you, you got a bit colder there. So you started going more towards the east. And this one is in the west. So we're, we were actually looking for Scotland. So Scotland's national animal is the unicorn. And I feel like this would actually pop up at an actual trivia night so i go to trivia every monday fun fact so this is actually very helpful for me so if y'all ever want to do trivia i think this is definitely going to help so moving on to the next question we're down to our last three so what was ebay originally called and i also didn't know this one dang we went from zero to a hundred here real quick sam with these trivia questions right yeah and, and jordan really <laughs> with her snow white answer i think you know didn't necessarily set us up for success or or put us on too high of a mark uh jordan do you have any guesses on this one this is like before my time i have been on ebay twice ever <laughs> that's right i've never used ebay like at all auctioning for stuff just and i kind of gave a hint but auctioning for stuff just always gives me anxiety so i i could never <laughs> was it like electronic auction or electronic bidding like i was trying to think ebay stand for something maybe so the funny thing is that there's no like there's no the original name has like no resemblance of what it is today so like it doesn't even use e or bay that's just a letdown i know right so and i you know without making y'all try to guess even more it's just it's it was called auction web i'm like what <laughs> how did y'all go from auction web to ebay <laughs> ebay is definitely more catchy than auction web <laughs> 
that's probably why they rebranded. <laughs> so I get it. All right. So this next one, I had to look it up because I was like, Jess, you are, this is not right. Is it? And I, it's true. So which American president is in the wrestling hall of fame? I'm going to go out on another whim here. I'm going to say Teddy Roosevelt. That's a good guess. I would have thought so too, but it's not Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt looks like he would wrestle, though. He would definitely wrestle. There's no way he didn't wrestle in his free time. My, I do not know, but my first guess was also Roosevelt. And because that's been taken, I'll go with JFK. <laughs> oh, man. Both great guesses. But actually, and this this actually very much shocked me. It's Abraham Lincoln. That's not okay. <laughs> And so here's the thing. I So my immediate thought, WWE Hall of Fame. That's what I thought. And then, but no, no, it's an actual wrestling Hall of Fame. Not, not like WWE. So I was just like, why did they, why did they induct Abraham Lincoln into the WWE Hall of Fame? But no, it's like a wrestling Hall of Fame. Like the wrestling that you see at schools, not, not the, not the, the stuff you see on TV personally. <laughs> so that's why it kind of threw me off a bit. I was like, I have to look this up and, but it's true. So the last, last question that I have for y'all today, what was the first toy to be advertised on television? Got to think back to some of those classic toys, iconic ones, even no, I don't want to say it because then it might give it away. So I'll just, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Maybe Superman? That is bringing up some nostalgia for me. I have, I have two thoughts. I'm going to go with Barbie. I feel like that's a good guess, but unfortunately it wasn't Barbie. Maybe like the little army men? Also good guess, but not quite. I'll, I'll, I don't know if this gives it away too much. Think Toy Story. That was a good guess, Jordan, with the army man. I'm trying to think of another popular toy from Toy Story. That also would have been a good guess, but also no. <laughs> I got nothing. Sam, you got to help us out. Phone a friend. The answer that we were looking for is actually Mr. Potato Head. That was the first toy to ever be advertised on television. And to be honest, I didn't know that either. And I probably would have guessed everything that y'all said. So Jessica, my producer, really, really gave us some hard questions. Y'all were killing it for the first half, though. <laughs> and once once Jordan guessed Snow White out on a limb, it's just like all of your all y'all's luck just it just went into that one question. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but y'all, I'm not gonna lie, y'all have done better than, than previous guests, so we'll we'll put it at that. But and not to throw shade at my previous guests, we we just have hard questions, okay? But that that does it for trivia, and that does it for our fun segment. Thank y'all so much for playing along. So now we're gonna go ahead and go to a quick break, and when we get back, let's talk a little bit more about orientation at UT Austin. Texas 512 is part of the Texas Podcast Network, the conversations changing the world. Brought to you by the University of Texas at Austin. The opinions expressed in this podcast represent the views of the hosts and not the University of Texas at Austin. All right, and we are back. So first things first, I do want to continue to get to know y'all a little bit more to the capacity of what you do within your work. So Jordan, I'll go ahead and have you start first. Tell us a little bit more about what you do. And by, by that, I mean specifically like your role as an orientation advisor. Yeah, awesome. So I'm actually on the leadership team for orientation. So heading into this year's orientation, I am helping run some of the smaller committees that we have within orientation, helping mentor some of the newer orientation advisors coming into their first year. And then as an orientation advisor in general, mostly what we do is we lead small groups of orientees that are coming in. So we're providing logistical information, we're running presentation, but we're also facilitating a lot of socials and icebreakers so that they can also get to know each other. We also take the orientees on tours, which was really interesting because last orientation was actually my first time on campus. So I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Kyle, but I totally got lost during that first 
first tour and I gave up and we ended up going into Macombs and exploring because I am an advisor for Macombs. And then something, <laughs> something special that we also do is we get to meet with students for peer advising appointments. So after they meet with their academic advisor to figure out what credits they have coming in and what classes they should be taking their freshman year, we get to meet with them, get to know them, talk to them one-on-one -on -one, and give them a little bit more insight into the registration process. So yeah, we're essentially just there to help orientees feel really welcome coming into UT and also being a resource to them. So my orientation experience was really good, even though it was online. And I made a really special connection with one of my orientation advisors who I actually got to work with last summer. Kyle, it was Sean. During our peer advising appointment, we talked about football for like 20 minutes. It was pretty cool. And I'm also also big into leadership because I did so much student council in high school so I figured it was right up my alley and I took a risk I applied and I got the position and now I'm coming back because I just really enjoyed my experience and I thought I was doing something good that's awesome and very fitting that you were in student council so you you're a sophomore then right now is that am I getting the timeline correct yeah I'm a sophomore right now okay great awesome and now Kyle now I wanted to learn a little bit more about what you do, what's what's your job? Yeah, absolutely. So of course, I'm a little bit more behind the scenes than Jordan is. And if you don't get a chance to meet me over the summer, that would be that because things are going according to plan. So a lot of my role as associate director is the planning on the back end. And of course, that's a year long process because we welcome over 10,000 new students over the course of the summer. And so we start by just kind of reviewing the past summer, going through some of the assessment, and then orientation is really a campus-wide program. So we work with partners over the entire university. And so it's really like a big coordination effort, getting folks ready to welcome new students accordingly over the summer. And that's a big part of it. And then also working with wonderful orientation advisors such as Jordan. Yeah, and no, and big kudos to y'all because this is such an important thing. And, and I think we'll we'll talk a little bit more about why it's so important here in just a bit. But I mean, yeah, you're right. It is a campus-wide thing. So the fact that you have to coordinate with so many different departments, schools, and people, it's it's incredible. And I can imagine that it's a lot of work. So how'd you how'd you end up in this position, Kyle? Like what tell me a little bit about your your story, like in your career. How did you get to this point at UT? Yeah, of course. I, I mentioned earlier that I'm a Longhorn alum, so I, I came to the 40 Acres many years ago and was also involved, not in orientation, but in student affairs. So I spent time working at the rec center at Gregory Gym, which y'all will come to find when you come to campus for orientation. Kind of during that time, I started to get this interest in like working in higher education and had the opportunity to hear from some of my mentors like, oh, this is a job that you can do full time. And from there, I went to grad school and, and got my master's degree degree in higher education and had the opportunity to learn about all these other facets of university life from uh, not only rec sports, but beyond that and housing and orientation and these different pieces. And so that's kind of took me full time into my career. I spent a little bit of time working with our student organizations on campus and student government before transitioning to orientation where I've been for about six years now, maybe seven years. And so each and every summer is certainly a unique opportunity. And, and I, I love when we get to that stage of welcoming our new incoming Longhorns. Yeah, awesome. And I just want to add really quickly that I, I always love hearing other higher education professionals like story as to how they got into higher ed, because they always have that one part where it's like, oh, you can make a job out of this. And I was just talking about this with, with somebody recently. So 
it's just funny that that comes back up. Now, transitioning more to talk about orientation itself, Kyle, I think you'd be surprised to know that there's actually quite a, a, a few students that don't really know what orientation is. I know I've had a couple of like meetings and, and like school visits so far where I've had students where they're like, what even is that? And I, I forget as somebody that has gone to college that there are just some people that just do not know at all, because especially coming from first generation students, because I myself was there at one point where I was just kind of like, well, what do you even do? Is this just supposed to be some sort of like, you know, like whole like day full of activities where you just get to meet people? But it's actually more, more, more than that. Right. So Kyle, can you tell us a little bit more about what orientation is and what what's supposed to happen at orientation and why is it so important and why? Well, really, why is it mandatory for students to attend this? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad that you shared that, Sam. That was what I was kind of thinking as well. Such a valid perspective. Not necessarily know what what orientation looks like. I was also a first generation student, so I just had no idea like what to expect coming into this experience. And I know so many of our incoming Longhorns are in that same space. Really, I, I mean, orientation is is many things. It's a two and a half day program for our incoming freshman students, a day and a half program for our transfer students. And I would say there's really three things that we hope to accomplish in that space. And we hope that students get out of orientation. First one is going to be registering for classes, you know, the really logistical part, students will come as Jordan mentioned, they'll have an opportunity to meet with an academic advisor and a peer advisor and really set up what the next four years is going to look like and have an opportunity to jump into some of that like academic pieces of things and then actually get registered for classes. The second piece is going to be learning about university resources. UT has just so many things to offer, whether it's things that can be support systems for you or opportunities for involvement. And we want to sort of give you like a sample platter of what all of that looks like during orientation. So when you come back to the 40 acres in the fall, you have that little bit of an extra edge of like knowing what you're interested in getting into. And then I think the last part, and this is my favorite part that I like to see is offering students the opportunity to make connections with other students. That's what we see in our assessment each and every year. Students want to meet other students. And, and thankfully, we see that in our assessment, they're able to do so. But that's facilitating uh, connections with other incoming Longhorns or even with current students. We have a lot of current students from our orientation advisors to student organization leaders that are a part of the orientation program. So it really gives you an opportunity to see these perspectives and hear from these perspectives of other new students and start developing connections that you can take into your first semester. Awesome. Now I want to transition over to Jordan here, since you're actually the one like boots on the ground in all these orientation activities or, or in most of them, right? So what is a day at orientation like? Like what can an incoming student expect? And you're looking for the student's perspective, right? Yes, of course. Alrighty. So that first day of orientation for incoming freshmen, that is a Monday. You're going to get there bright and early and be welcomed by orientation advisors who are typically dancing on tables and singing really off key and they're going to come through or at least last year it was Jester and then they get checked in to their dorm. They're able to get set up because they are typically spending the night on campus because like Kyle said it's a two and a half day program and then the students will go to their first small group session typically have three throughout the day and it's just a really good opportunity to get provided some logistical information about orientation how the day is going to work also a good opportunity to make those connections with one another because it is split up by college 
So these people will actually be taking classes together. And then they go to their college meetings where they get some logistical information from their actual college and some of the graduation requirements that they need and some insight into what classes they might want to take freshman year. Eventually we go on a tour, which is honestly one of my favorite parts because it's just really fun. It's outside and even though it's hot, it's just really good to get moving and walking around campus. Honestly, we get really interesting questions about campus. So that's pretty fun, especially once you actually learn the tour route. Then they might have a peer advising appointment during that day, but most of the time it's like that next Tuesday. We have a couple of other small group meetings throughout the day. That's just more opportunities for them to make connections with another. Um, they get to eat with each other. Lots and lots and lots and lots of icebreakers. Honestly, every orientation advisor probably knows like 10 plus icebreakers that they can just pull out whenever they need to. And then towards the tail end of the that Monday, um, all of the orientees actually have an opportunity to hang out with people from other colleges because we have social programs in the evenings. So they can go play pool or we have a program last year called Speed Friending where they just got to ask one another like a ton of different questions. And yeah, um, these are usually going until midnight. So it's honestly a pretty long day. It's usually from 6am to midnight if that's how long they're they want their day to be. But yeah, it's really crazy. It's really chaotic. And honestly, it's so much fun. It's funny to think about that. Maybe whenever I was that age, I would have been able to do 6am to midnight, but I'm thinking about it now. And I'm just like, Oh, <laughs> never do that anymore. And and also going back to your icebreaker comment, I, I relate to that because I was a resident assistant whenever I was in, in college. And so obviously, we had to know a lot of icebreakers, not just for our RA orientation training thing, but also because we had to put on programming and events and obviously try to get our residents to mingle and whatnot. So I relate to that. What's your favorite part about, you know, being, being an OA? Actually, this is a little bit of a hot take because this usually isn't everybody else's favorite part of orientation, but I love the peer advising appointments. So on like that second day of orientation is when we get most of our peer advising appointments done. I think last year for me, it was usually like an eight to five day with breaks, of course, and like a lunch break. And we're just sitting down with students one-on-one -on -one and going through their schedules and everything that their academic advisor told them and we're able to clarify anything that they're confused about and it does occasionally feel like you're going through the same spiel but I always see it as an opportunity to get to know students one-on-one -on -one. and it's really special because you can build like such a strong connection within those 30 minutes and you end up becoming a resource to those students throughout the semester. I still get text messages from orientees that met me during peer advising about anything from like class recommendations to being able to help them with the registration portal and honestly doing the peer advising appointments actually makes me want to go into higher ed. So after I graduate, I want to go into UT's leadership and higher education program. You have no, okay, so my camera's off right now, but I actually got a little bit hyped up there because I always love to see more people getting into higher ed. And the fact that you realized it so, so soon in your like academic career is just, it's incredible. Love to see it. We love to see more higher ed professionals, but that's actually really great. And I'm glad that you brought that up because I, I feel like the most common question that I get about just about next steps is like, when do I register for classes? And you know, like, how does that work? And, and, and I'm just like, it's gonna, it's all gonna make sense at orientation. So the fact that you're bringing this up and that there's even like an extra level with the peer advising, because like I've said in previous episodes, a lot of times advice from a student means a lot more or a current student, I should say, 
say means a lot more than it coming from a staff member. Um, as much as I still feel like I'm young and I can relate to these these kids, they they don't see it that way. <laughs> and so I feel like they're just a lot more receptive hearing it from a peer. So I, I just love to hear that for sure. <clears throat> Moving on to more, I guess, like the logistical things and kind of speaking more towards the students that are getting ready to you know take on their next steps. They're like pretty sure that they're going to come to UT. So they're like trying to figure things out, right? Going back to you, Kyle, how does the, a student register for orientation? When When is registration even going to open up? And then how does a student know what session to sign up for? Because I know that there's like a bunch of sessions. Yeah, absolutely. So much of that information will be able to be found on our website and I'll kind of break it down into some different steps. First of all, looking at what dates are available, and what dates are available for specific students that should be available in mid-February. We offer for our freshman students seven different sessions over the course of June and July. And then for our transfer students, we have three session options there as well. Every college does not necessarily participate in every session, but you'll be able to go onto our website and see which colleges participate in which sessions so you can see the available options to you. And again, all that should be available maybe about the time you're listening to this podcast, but sometime here in mid-February. And then registration opens in mid-March. So keep an eye on our website. We'll post the date sometime in the coming weeks, but you'll be able to go onto our website, register. It takes about 10, 15 minutes. The spots can fill up quickly. It's first come, first serve, and we're limited on spots, wanting to make sure that every student gets the attention that they need to be successful. We always encourage students to get on and register for orientation as soon as they can. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll make sure to put this in the podcast description, but what's that website for y'all? Yeah, it's newstudentservices.utexas.edu. Beautiful. All right. And then I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure and correct me if I'm wrong or edit this out if I'm wrong, but I believe my status makes it pretty easy to get to that website as well. So if you log on to your, my status, there should be a little thing on your to-do list that says register for orientation. Um, and there should be a link that'll take you to that as well. But y'all keep that in mind mid-March it is going to open up and, and it is first come first serve so register as early as possible that's that's just always been my go-to model with uh, uh, motto with anything just to get it done early in case there, something happens you never know you give yourself some time to correct any mistakes that come up right now Jordan back to you what do you feel is some of the the key or main aspects that a student should take away from their orientation session. So overall, we really want orientees to feel that they are welcome here on the 40 acres. It is really overwhelming thinking about going to a school that is so large, so prestigious and in the middle of downtown Austin, right across from the Capitol. So there's just a lot going on at campus all the time. And it is really large. And all of these students are incredibly brilliant. And they want to make sure that their college experience is even better than their high school experience was. So we are here to provide that fostering environment for students, allow them to make connections with one another and with their orientation advisors and their academic advisors. And then of course, we also want them to feel like they have a clue. They have an idea of what they're getting into, which is why we have so many resource presentations and we allow them to get connected with certain entities on campus that can help them figure out what they want to get involved with. Or if they're struggling with, let's say, financial aid, we can get them connected with the financial aid office. 
We just want to make sure that they feel comfortable coming to UT and that they at least have a jumping off point into getting into that fall semester. Fantastic. Now, I do want to also ask you, and, and I'm sure you probably have so many to share, um, but if you could pick one of your most memorable experiences as an OA, what would it be? I feel like I've brought this up a lot during this podcast, but... Whenever us orientation advisors would work what we call fanfare, which is essentially when all of the orientation advisors are welcoming the orientees to campus with the dancing and the music and the really off-key singing, it's it's just seriously so much fun. And there was one particular session, I don't remember which one, where me and another one of the orientation advisors, I'm going to straight up name drop, it was Layla. We were dancing on tables at 6am. It's honestly a core memory, dancing to talk by Britney Spears so early in the morning and potentially getting judged by orientees, but I think I think they were into it. At some point in time, Layla knew that I did like competitive cheer in high school cheer, like just way back when. And she was like, Jordan, you need to teach me a cheer dance. And me and Layla and a couple of the other orientation advisors learned this cheer dance that I pulled out of my repressed memory from high school. And we were doing that dance on repeat for probably 30 minutes to old 2010s pop songs. And it was pretty funny. I think somebody has a recording of it somewhere. I'm honestly kind of scared to see it, but it was a good memory. It's probably on TikTok at this point. <laughs> it might be on TikTok, somewhere deep in the depths of somebody's Instagram feed. I really thought you were about to say, and we did a pyramid. And I was like, oh, just impromptu pyramid. Like as soon as you were like, oh, I, I was in cheer. I'm like, they're going to do a pyramid. <laughs> Absolutely not. I feel like <laughs> somebody would get dropped and somebody would definitely get in trouble. And that probably would have been me. I'm not a stunting expert, honestly, in cheer. I was a tumbler. So if y'all like ever watched like the Netflix docuseries Cheer, I was, I was Lexi. I, I was the girl with like blonde hair. I hated stunting. Well, thank y'all both so much for sharing y'all's knowledge and experience with orientation. This has been really great. And I think this will be super informative and helpful uh, for our students that are coming into UT Austin this upcoming semester and for future semesters. Of course, we're at that end part of our podcast where I usually allow my guests to plug anything that they want. So whoever wants to go first, whatever is on your heart or on your mind, what would you like to share today? I don't mind going first, Jordan. I can jump in. I kind of, it's funny. Uh, I gave you a little bit of a hard time, Sam, about one of the early icebreaker questions, but it brings me back and kind of circle back to this point about getting outside of your comfort zone. And I just thought like, oh, I can leave, you know, some parting words of wisdom for students when they're coming to orientation and just an encouragement to to do just that, to try something new that you're unfamiliar with or that gets you a little bit uncomfortable. Because one of my favorite things in working orientation is like seeing that transformation in such a short time, you you know, I mentioned orientation is two and a half days. And when students come in on morning one, you know, they're a little bit more hesitant, a little bit more shy, a little bit more timid. And then even by night two, you know, we have a lot of our social programs, but students are super excited. You can see all of the connections that are being made. And again, utilizing those opportunities to, to get involved or, or to talk to somebody maybe you're not familiar with and do something that you might normally do because this is the opportunity, you know, to try new things and to try things and fail and to make improvements. And so I think doing so can start during orientation, continue during your college career. So that's my my uh, 
words of wisdom again for the group. Awesome. Retweet to that. Jordan, what about you? Actually, very similar to Kyle. Orientation is something where it's like you get what you put into it. So don't be afraid to step out of that comfort zone and go to the social programs or some of the things that are more optional because that's just more opportunity to make connections with people that you might not have an opportunity to make connections with otherwise. Also, if it's okay with you, Sam, I'm totally going to plug my social medias. Y'all should, okay, awesome. Y'all should totally follow me on Twitter at the Jordan Kenzie. So that's T-H-E-J-O-R-D-A-N-K-E-N-Z-I-E. Also be sure to take to check out the student newspaper, The Daily Texan, at thedailytexan.com and at The Daily Texan from social medias. Also, baseball season is coming up, y'all, so I better see everybody that's listening at Dishbalk on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays because baseball is the preseason number one. And I'm so excited to see everybody at orientation, too. It's going to be a blast. Love that. Thank y'all so much. And just going back to to the plug about just getting out of your comfort zone, that that really resonated with me a lot because whenever I was a, a an incoming freshman going into my orientation, I was very shy, like really, really shy. And I I did not really interact with anybody. And that's like one of my biggest regrets is not being as open at the time. I was just, I don't know, like sometimes the the shyness just takes over me. And it was just really hard for me to, to make friends during that time. And thankfully, I did make friends whenever I went to college. But orientation was just such a fantastic opportunity for me to to make those connections before getting into college. And I was going to college like five, six hours away from home. So, I mean, I needed to find that that circle somewhere. So just to, I guess, just to retweet what y'all said and, and kind of like echo that. Really just for those of you that are, are maybe a little bit more introverted or, or a little bit more shy, be a little bit more open-minded to it, it t- and take it at, at your own pace, right? But but as I said, this experience is what you make of it. So so don't, don't have regrets in the future about not trying trying something new or, or trying to meet new people. Um, Cause I think this is just a fantastic opportunity for you to kind of like make that transition to college a little bit easier, right? Really awesome words of wisdom from both of you. And, and thank you so much for, for filling us in on such an important part of an incoming student's college experience. We really appreciate your time because I know both of y'all are probably super busy preparing for what's coming this summer. But yeah, thanks so much for joining us and thank y'all for listening. As usual, this concludes another episode of Texas 512. As usual, stay cool, stay hydrated, and hook them horns.